Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. Thank you for joining us today on the Friday broadcast. And as I remind you every Friday, it is Friday, but Sunday is coming. I hope that you spend some time worshiping the Lord this uh, weekend. And if you don't have a place to worship, why don't you come on down to Hickory Ridge Community Church. We're in the Hickory section of Chesapeake. We're down there on South Battlefield Boulevard. We are located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South. And uh, you can't miss us if you go on the old Battlefield Boulevard Road. Just keep on going with the last church on the right before you come to Carolina. Uh, so if you come to Border Station, you've gone too far, turn around, come on back. We'd love to see you Sunday at 9 o'clock or 1030. Well, this is part two of the message for men only. And uh, ladies, you're welcome to tune in as we talk about how we can have men of God and how men can finish the race and finish it well. And for those of you who know me, uh, you know that I was born and raised in New England. And one of my favorite places to go in New England is a place called Faneuil Hall. Faneuil Hall is the meeting place of the Patriots, right? Not the Patriots football team. I'm talking about the Patriots and church uh, in American history. Faneuil Hall was dubbed the Cradle of Liberty, located in the city of Boston. Faneuil Hall has got a large marketplace, a large building uh, that serves as a meeting place for all of the uh, Patriots during the eve of the American Revolution. And uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating place. And they were one time gathered up there in Faneuil Hall, and they were meeting to discuss the Stamp Act and uh, the massacre. They called the uh, the Boston Massacre of the Tea Crisis, and they dealt with other crises within this Faneuil Hall. Uh, and all this took place basically between the years of 1764 and 1775. And it's an amazing building. It's right there on the waterfront. Uh, it's the head of the old town dock. And Faneuil Hall is today a thriving business hub. It's a marketplace, and they still have meetings there, right there in the in that building. And uh, Faneuil Hall is now home to merchants. And and uh, back in uh, during the American Revolutionary years, uh, it was a place where fishermen would gather and and they'd sell their fish. And meat producers would sell their meat, and the farmers would come in and bring all their produce and. And they would gather together and exchange ideas. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Patriots would meet in this 100-foot-long, 40-foot-wide wooden floor uh, room. And it still stands to this day. It's about 28 feet high. But it is the place of the most stirring public meetings that you could imagine as we as a nation uh, were preparing to start the American Revolutionary War. And, and it's an amazing thing what happens. And so as we look at this, there's a, there's a large painting of Webster uh, that is posted there in Faneuil Hall, and it's got these words underneath the painting of Webster. Union and liberty, one and inseparable, now and forever. And uh, William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, once made an address at Faneuil Hall, and it was a dramatic address And he cried out those words, union and liberty. Now, he was talking about union with Christ, liberty from sin, that they were inseparable now and forevermore, that if you are united with Christ, you will be set free. And of course, they used that uh, as a way to to fight for our freedom, that we would be free from England, uh, we would no longer be part of that union, and we will be set free. And so when you think about freedom, the true understanding of freedom is realizing that God has given us a tremendous gift, and this gift is found in salvation. 
made possible through Jesus Christ. Now, as I look at the biblical characters and I discover that a lot of the men didn't finish the race so well, uh, I think about the guys that did finish so well. About 30% of all the Bible characters, over a thousand of them, uh, didn't have a strong finish. But I'm convinced that I've got people listening to me today that are determined to finish strong. You know, Herod, when he incarcerated John the Baptist, finally had him beheaded. John the Baptist refused to compromise the message that God had given him. You know, John the Baptist was called the forerunner of Christ. And his mission was to prepare the way of the Lord, right? Prepare for the way of the Lord. His message was a message of repentance. Now, he was a wild dude, and, and, uh, and, he, and he wore camel's hair, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And uh, he took the Nazarite vow, so he was a hairy dude. Never a razor was taken to him. And he had this unbelievable, powerful message. And it's powerful because for 400 years, between the Old Testament and New Testament, God hadn't spoken to his people. And then he raises up this guy, John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist refused to, um, to compromise. I mean, he lived out the words of Paul, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But John finds himself in a Roman prison. And King James uh, was imprisoning him. And I think about all those who have gone on before us. There was a, a song that was sung about John the Baptist being incarcerated. And it was also applied to other Christians who are being incarcerated. Here are the words. Stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. Minds innocent and quiet take these for a hermitage. When I am free within my heart and in my soul am free, angels alone that soar above enjoy such liberty. When Paul was writing his testimony, the swan song of the conclusion of his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul was talking about finishing well, finishing strong, finishing in a manner of completing something. You know, when I was in college, uh, I was taking a class, and we got about halfway through the class, and and I wasn't doing well in the class. I mean, I had a lot going on with work, and uh, I was taking a full load, working full time, and I was trying to be a, a youth pastor in the church all the while. And, and I, so I said, I think I'm going to go, and I'm going to drop this class. And so I went to my academic advisor and said, man, I just don't have the time to keep all this stuff together. I'm not doing very well in this class, and, and I want to go ahead and drop it. And he spoke to me. He said, now listen, you don't want to drop the class. You're halfway through. Finish it. I said, I don't want to finish. I'm, going to, I'm not going to do well with it. Can't, I can't get a good grade in the class. He said, listen, on your transcript, it's better to have a C on your transcript than an I. I stands for incomplete. That means you started a class, but you didn't finish it. He says, a C on your transcript is much better than an I. He says, you want to be known as a person who can't finish something. Finish it. And then he said something else that kind of astonished me. He says, did you know that the world is not run by people who have eyes on their transcript. The world's run by people who have C's on their transcript. And he started rattling off all these leaders that were C students. You know, many of our presidents were C students. They were able to finish the course. 
They didn't finish at the top of the class, but they finished. And they found something else about C students. This this might encourage if you're a C student. I'm not I'm not uh, saying strive to get a C, but I also know that when it comes to your IQ and it comes to the matter of of intellect that you have, that's a gift of God, and some have more than others. So don't let that discourage you. The reason that C students are doing so well in leading people is because C students have discovered something. C students, for the most part, they understand people. <laughs> they understand exactly what people are wired, how they're wired, and they understand how to work well with people. Paul says, you know, I have finished the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, Paul was stirring up quite a controversy when he said this, because Nero was going to hear what Paul said, and Nero cheated on the Olympics, and Nero thought that he could be well thought of. And here we are 2,000 years later. Paul's the hero. Nero's not. So if you're going to run this race, you must understand, and you're going to finish it well, that growth matters. Constantly be growing. I discovered something about education. Education that only gives me a head full of knowledge is not very useful. But if education will teach me to grow and constantly grow, it will propel me to finish well. You see, growing people understand life is a battle. And you're constantly going through life in this battle. And you will lose influence if you're not continuing to grow. They've done survey after survey after churches that grow versus churches that don't grow. The common denominator of churches that grow is that churches are led by pastors who are growing, always growing. The same is true about business. Businesses that are growing are led by leaders in that business who are also growing. Doctors understand this principle. They'll spend 20 hours a week and research how they can do their practice better. The same is true in our lives. Paul says, I haven't obtained all this. I haven't arrived, but I'm pressing on. I'm going to hold on to that for which Christ took hold of me. You think about great businesses in our world today. You know, Colonel Sanders was in his 80s when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. You see, you're never too old to be a blessing to other people. Your most productive years are probably ahead of you. Your most productive years start at the age of 50 and and above. Your most productive years are between 50 and 60. The second most productive years are between 70 and 60 and 70. And then the third most productive are between 70 and 80. So your best days are ahead. I don't care if you're 50 or 60 or even 70, you have great production ahead of you. When I think about how God uses us, not only do we must understand that growth matters, I must constantly be growing. Listen, don't be in that rocking chair too long. If somebody said of a rocking chair, it'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. As you think about how you can be a blessing to your church and how you can be a blessing to your family, dedicate the last quarter of your life to bless others. Now, if you're going to have a good fourth quarter, you've got to have a good third quarter. Each quarter must be building upon the next quarter. So constantly grow. Number two, if you're going to finish well, you must understand that people matter. Paul so valued relationships. Paul said to the believers at Rome, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He said this to the Corinthian believers, I always thank God for you. He said this to the Ephesian believers, I thank God for you. And I'm not going to stop giving thanks to you because I hear what God's doing 
through you. Paul said to the Philippian believers, well, he was locked up in a jail under house arrest in Rome. I thank my God every time I remember you. And then Paul said to young Timothy, his protege, I thank God as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And he says, I long to see you. You see, Paul put a 10 on every person's head. You know, there's three people that everybody needs in our lives. We need a Paul, we need a Timothy, and we need a Barnabas. We need Paul to encourage us. We need Timothy so we can invest in them. And then we need a Barnabas to keep us encouraged. Listen, from time to time, you're going to have to play all three roles in these uh, three different people. Sometimes God's going to raise you up to be the man of God in your home. You know, I I almost hesitate to say this, but you know, many years ago, my wife and I, uh, we had a disagreement. And this disagreement led to something happening uh, where something was purchased. And, uh, and, and this purchase was a thing that my wife and I agreed that— um, you know, before we make a, a certain purchase over a certain amount of money, we're gonna we're gonna talk to one another, and and so a purchase was made without us the two of us talking, and and I remember I came home and I saw this purchase, and and uh, you know I I love my wife, I've got a, a wife that is very capable, she's very uh, well spoken, uh, she's very articulate, she's very well educated. Now, truth be known, my wife is a whole lot smarter than I am. And the reason I married somebody smarter than me, because uh, when I was going through college, I had a professor who says, now, listen, you guys, you guys preparing for ministry. Uh, you guys don't have a whole lot going for you. And uh, I said, not many of you are noble. And uh, he said, not many of you guys are very good looking. And, and you guys aren't the, uh, the sharpest knife in the drawer. And he said, what you guys need to do, you need to marry somebody who's smarter than you. And so I did. I married somebody smarter than me. And uh, I thanked the Lord for my wife. But a decision was made, and, and she had made a purchase that we hadn't agreed on. And I came home, and I saw that purchase. And, uh, and I remember this was a conflict time. I said, okay, what in the world am I going to do? And I said, now, honey, uh, we, we, we agreed uh, that we weren't going to make a purchase over a certain amount without uh, talking together and coming into full agreement. And I, and I said, you purchased this, and, and uh, I didn't know about it, and I just discovered it. And I says, we're going to have to send it back. And, uh, and it was a tough time, you know. It's one of those things. Her first response, well, I, I ain't sitting in the back. I work too, you know. I, I said, honey, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to have to send it back. And, uh, and I stuck by my guns. And uh, in my fact, it, it was a couch. And uh, I'm almost afraid to admit this. So, you know, she said, she says, she says oh, yeah. Well, that couch, we, uh, we're not going to turn that couch back in. Matter of fact, you're going to be sleeping on the couch tonight. And, uh, and I said, well, honey, we've got to turn that couch back in. And so it was tough. That was, a, that was a tough thing, right? And I want you to know we survived it. And, uh, and she understood exactly where I was coming from. But um, I want you to know people matter. And how you do something like that is all in the approach that you take. And uh, uh, people matter. And then the third thing is obedience mattered. Paul says, you know, I was faithful to God's call. Faithful to God's call. You know, as the Apostle Paul is giving this tearful final farewell, he's writing to Timothy, he's writing to the elders in the church at Ephesus, and, and he's reminding them just how faithfully he had served the Lord in spite and despite hardships. He, he told them he felt compelled to go to Jerusalem, and he's an old man at this time, and, and he knew that uh, chains and tribulations awaited him, 
And so he writes them a motivational letter, uh, and we have a copy of this letter in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 25. But Paul is assuring them that, uh, that they matter deeply to him. But so didn't obedience. God was leading Paul to move on and do something incredible. Let's pick up the story, Acts chapter 20, and, and I'll make some commentary as we go through it. Acts chapter 20, verse number 17, it says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And, and when they arrived, he said to them, You know, we lived this whole time that I was with you from the first day until I came to you from the province of Asia. He says, I served the Lord with you, and I served with great humility. And with tears in the midst of severe testing by plots of my Jewish opponents. And, and Paul is saying, you know, when we came and we started this church at Ephesus, uh, I'm reminding you of what all happened when we started this church. And, and I came to you in all of humility, and, and it was in the midst of testing. And, uh, and I got opposition from the Jews who were opposed to it. And he says, you know, I didn't hesitate to preach to you Anything that would be helpful, I, I taught you publicly, and I went from house to house. And he says, I, I just poured my heart and, and soul into you. And, and he says, I declare to you both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, it was a tough message, right? But I had to give the whole gospel because it wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles. It was for the Greeks. And he says, now I'm being compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem. And he says, I don't know what's going to happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. And I don't know about you, but at this point, I would say, I, I'm kind of an old guy, right? Do I have to go through this as an old man? I, I mean, I've already been through this, right? Uh, the majority of the churches in the New Testament that Paul wrote these epistles to were started by Paul, and he went through hardships in starting the church of Ephesus. He went through hardship in starting all the churches, and, and, and he says, now I'm called again to go to Jerusalem, and then he says, I'm going to go there, and I know that it's going to be a time of imprisonment. It's going to be a time of hardship, and he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race. And to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to others the good news of God's grace. And then he says in verse 25, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. You know, as I, I read those words, I, I can feel the emotion. Paul says, I'm finally going to get to Jerusalem. And... um. I know that I'm going to die there, and you're not going to see me again. And those who wanted him to quit preaching uh, would be throwing rocks at him, but that didn't stop him. Paul says, I considered it a privilege to suffer for Christ. They could threaten him with prison. They could threaten him with a whole lot of things and persecution. And, and uh, they could laugh at Paul. Uh, they could say, why don't you go back to Rome, Paul? And, and, uh, and that was the last time that he was incarcerated, but now he's finally being freed and he's going to Jerusalem. And when I think about the Apostle Paul, what could be done with the Apostle Paul? Absolutely nothing, because nothing mattered to him more than faithful obedience to God. 
You see, the true nature of leadership isn't self-centered exaltation like Nero demonstrated. It's an ongoing process of sacrifice that faithfully serves others and always obeys God, no matter what the cost. You see, growth matters. People matter. And obedience matter. When we embrace and we embody these in principles, we can end our lives strong like Paul did. We can end our lives being a blessing to others. Well, how do you want your life to end? You see, you only have one life to live in, and so soon it's going to be gone. Only what's done for Christ will last. I hope that you'll invest in the lives of others. I hope that you'll love others unconditionally, just as Christ has loved you. I hope that you'll share the gospel wherever you go. You know, in the remaining minutes of the broadcast today, I want to tell you about a man that I can't give you his name, but he's a hero. I can only give you limited details of his life because he is serving the Lord in a very dangerous place. As a matter of fact, if it were known where he was and his name were to slip out, his life could be at great danger. But this particular man is a man that I met many years ago while I was up in New England. This man came to our church up there, and my dad had the privilege of leading this man to a saving knowledge of Christ. Now, this man was from another country, and uh, he was gloriously saved. And when he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, his life drastically changed. This was a man that was very well off. He came to our country and was able to do very well uh, in the military, and then he retired from the military, and then he was able to do very well in, a, in a, an extremely profitable business, and, and then he had a civil service job that he worked, and, and so this man was blessed financially. He was at the point where it's time to retire. Not only did he have a military retirement, he had civil service retirement, but then he sold his business and made a, a, quite a, a profit on the business that he sold. So here's a man that is in his early 60s. A time where he should just be kicking back and saying, man, I have worked hard my whole life. Let me just kick back and enjoy this. And I'll continue to serve the Lord right here uh, in this church. And I'll continue to lead a Bible study. I'll continue to share the gospel wherever I go. But this man wasn't satisfied to end his life that way. He said uh, to the congregation one day, the Lord's called me to go into the mission field. My wife and I are going to go to Bible college and They went to Bible college at age 61, did three years of a Bible college uh, degree and completed it and went off into the mission field. They had sold everything that they had and and all the money that they had made from that was basically given to take care of an elderly parent and to pay for their education and to take care of their two children. Uh, They found themselves without very many resources and so they traveled around this country and they looked for people that would be interested in possibly supporting their ministry. They were so eager to get on the mission field. As uh, If you've ever talked to missionaries, it usually takes them a couple years to go around and raise enough money to get out to the mission field. And, and this couple did it in eight months. And they said, we don't have much time to waste because we're getting older and, and time is short. We must get the gospel to our people. They wanted to go back to the people that they knew when they were just children. You see, they came from a country that uh, persecutes Christians. They came from North Korea. They were American citizens, and they worked hard their whole lives. And now 
They wanted to go back and reach their people. They were so anxious to get back to reach their people that, uh, you know, you go to a church as a missionary and you you give a good message. And generally, people are very generous and they give you a, a pretty good honorarium, a good, a good love offering. And, and so this couple was so eager to go on the field uh, that they would take the money instead of staying at a hotel. They lived in their van. And instead of using that money to go out to expensive restaurants, they set it aside so they can go on the mission field. This man is now almost 70 years old. He has been serving the Lord faithfully, embedded in a country where the gospel is prohibited, but he's spending the rest of his life reaching his people with the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, I don't have too many heroes because uh, oftentimes the people that we lift up as heroes, they end up greatly disappointing us. So I I generally wait until somebody dies before they become my hero because I figure they can't mess up after they die. But this friend of mine is my hero. He has continued to serve well. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. How about you? Can that be said of you? Have you finished the race that God has set before you? Keep on fighting. Keep on realizing that growth matters, people matter, and obedience matters. I hope to see you this weekend at Hickory Ridge Community Church. Come and worship with us at 9 o'clock or 1030. We'll make you feel right at home. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great weekend. I'm praying for you. God bless you. I appreciate you tuning in today. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.